When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR, you get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today as he does each and every week, the voice of the Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's our buddy, Drew Goodman. How's it going this week, Drew? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. It's kind of first day of the uh, of the off season, so um, here we are. It happens abruptly. It does it definitely does that trip in Los Angeles is obviously a very strange one with six games at Dodger Stadium. Rockies end up splitting that with uh, with the Dodgers, so that was a, a nice little consolation prize to a degree. Uh, were, were there any large takeaways uh, maybe uh, for these games for the Rockies uh, in Los Angeles? No, I don't think there's any large takeaways. Uh, baseball, as you well know, has played over 162 games, and you can't take a snippet um, and say, oh, boy, okay, now we're on to something. Um, you have to compile all the information that you gathered, all the performances that uh, took place, and 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 go from there. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, in that L.A. series, especially the way it started, a blowout loss on Friday, uh, to the best team record-wise in baseball. And then Saturday, the absolute meltdown, which uh, Buddy um, appropriately said was not major league. It wasn't even – it wasn't college. It wasn't high school. It wasn't – I mean, it was little league. You can't walk six guys in an inning, the first five guys. I mean, that's – that that can never happen. And uh, to their credit, after that disaster on Saturday, rather than just, you know, kind of going through the motions and, and losing six in a row there – 
Uh, they, they played a really sound game on Sunday. They played a good game Monday. They played a good game Tuesday. They won all three of those. Uh, yesterday, they got out pitch. Clayton Kershaw was terrific. Um, but, you know, the one takeaway is the final starts for Freeland, for Marquez, for Arania, um, and, and even for Ryan Feltner were good. And, and so you take that away, good way to go into the postseason. But in terms of some large, um, you know, conclusion one would draw from going three and three against the Dodgers and and winning eight out of nineteen when everybody else in the division won four or five, meaningless. Do, doesn't mean a thing. The Rockies have clearly a lot of work to do. I'm I'm almost wondering if that Saturday's game they hit rock bottom and and Bud Black did uh, the perfect job of getting in the right folks' ear. Uh, and, and turning that around. And so maybe he, he found out a way to push the, the right buttons. But, you know, the maybe not the big picture takeaways was just the fact that the young guys got in there. You talk about that this week on the Drew Goodman podcast uh, with, with Charlie Blackman, in fact, and, and you do a little conversating uh, with your audience about that. But Ezekiel Tovar on Wednesday, it was great to see him. His first career home run and doing it against a future Hall of Famer in Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, it's one. You listen, if he, if he hit it off of me or you, he'd remember the name of who he hit it off of, uh, clearly. But to hit your first off a guy like Clayton Kershaw, it makes it uh, that much more special. And it was a no doubter. And 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 you can see why there's excitement around Tovar because he's he's got some juice in the bat. And he's a kid. He's going to get a lot stronger. You know, and early on as a teenager, he didn't hit any home runs, and and slowly that's developed and, and we saw it in spring training you were there Patrick it wasn't just pull side home runs you know to the shortest portion of the ballpark he hit balls over the center field wall he continued to do that in Hartford uh, so th there's there's genuine um, and realistic uh, excitement about Tovar but he's got you know he's got a ways to go I think he was still bothered quite frankly by the hip flexor uh, there were three or four balls that he didn't bend enough to to get to defensively. Um, I'll be honest, I, I was expecting uh, everything I'd heard about him defensively is he, he was, you know, I don't want to call it a finished product, but a guy that could have uh, played major league shortstop, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and there were some, you know, moments where you go, hey, that's a play you got to make, a couple of them. And I'll attribute it based on information I have that he's still not 100%, uh, but I'm glad he got his feet wet. I'm glad the organization felt it important enough to to push the envelope, even though he missed a couple of months with that hip flexor uh, quad issue. Um, so a lot of those young guys can, quote unquote, hit the ground running and have a little bit of uh, experience as to what it's like to play at the big league level as they embark on 2023. Still made a couple dazzling plays, which was nice to see. You caught a glimpse of that, at least. And were you able to mention on the podcast, uh, or excuse me, on the broadcast, about the first Rockies player to have two home runs against Clayton Kershaw, your partner, Ryan Spielborgs? That's a good fun fact. Uh, yeah, that's one. I you, you were kind enough to text me during the game. That's one that um, we are all, as a crew, fully aware of. And, and, and in fairness... <laughs> You know, Spilly's really, uh, as you know, you know him well. He's got a lot of humility, and 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 Ryan had a nice run, man. And Ryan, Ryan had a had a very important run uh, during, you know, the the most um, 
impactful portion of the Rockies history right now, the World Series and the good team in 09, the disappointment in what was a good team in 2010. And, and Ryan was a central figure um, in that. You know, he hit 42 home runs. He was a good hitter. And, um, you know, he, he, he said, you know, he had he got Kershaw's number early on. Kershaw kind of turned the tables on him. But the fact that he hit uh, a couple home runs against uh, a guy that will be a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, you know, good good for Spilly. Uh, I think uh, Huey ran out the numbers of guys uh, that had hit their first home run against Clayton Kershaw, and all of them, you know, the, there was four now, and two of them only had one career home run. One of them was Hector Gomez, who was a, a well-thought-of farmhand with the Rockies many years ago. It didn't work out. He, I think he only had like seven at-bats with the Rockies, moved on to Milwaukee like three years later. He got to the big leagues uh, in over two seasons. He hit one home run, and that was against uh, Kershaw. And there was some other guy, I can't even remember his name. He had one career home run against Kershaw. It's kind of funny, right? You know, that guy's that guy sitting on a porch somewhere. Or, uh, well, he's, probably, he's a working guy, right? Because it's not like he made a lot of money. And uh, he he's enthralling his coworkers right now, wherever that may be. Hit one big league home run. Came against Clayton Kershaw. You're going to watch him tonight on television. So you know, cool stuff. But Tovar, I think, is going to hit more than one. Oh, definitely, he he will. Uh, Sean Bouchard might hit himself a couple. He's one of those young guys. I talk about it again on the on the podcast this week, which drops each and every Thursday. Uh, if you had to let's do a little face off, uh, two guys who were you know integral in different ways here uh, in the final month or two, Sean Bouchard and Jake Bird. Is there one that maybe has uh, a better chance to be in a more important part of this team in 2023? Well, that's an interesting question because they you know they they play two different you know they they do two different things. One guy's a relief pitcher and one guy uh, you know is a position player. I mean, uh, if you want to look at the last few weeks and say of all the young guys that got an opportunity to play regularly over the last three or four weeks or so, you know, who made the biggest impression? Uh, I think clearly Sean Bouchard did. His ability to walk, his ability to understand the strike zone, and oftentimes against good teams and good pitching, not not fellow AAA guys that were called up to – to fill a roster out in September. Uh, Sean Bouchard got on base at a really high rate, something that plays both home and away. Uh, we know the road numbers offensively and how bad they've been. Uh, so that that stood out. And he threw out eight doubles. He threw out three home runs. Uh, he runs, you know, he runs pretty well, above average slightly. So I, I would think that Sean Bouchard made the biggest impact. Now, when you compare him to who will have, you know, the better chance to be integral in 2023, I hope they both are. I mean, I think Jake Bird has a good arm. I think Jake Bird can take, you know, everything that he learned um, in in playing more than Bouchard did because he was here in the middle of the summer uh, and, and take that into 2023. He's a guy with good stuff. He's a guy that closed games at AAA. Um, I, I'm I'm bullish on both of those guys. I really, I really am. Uh, I'll give you another face-off. How about Ryan Feltner and Elhiris Montero? 
Feltner was better than, you know, his nearly six ERA. Uh, Montero ended up, you know, he had a lot of flashes, had the two home run game early on. Uh, much better than a guy that we think of with a 30K rate who, you know, maybe only played four out of every seven days. Is Feltner the better lock to be a significant part of the 2023 team? Well, again, same thing, you know, we're comparing, you know, guys that, you know, it's not pitcher to pitcher. Um, I'll, I'll start with Feltner. I really like Feltner's makeup a lot. Uh, I think he's a really bright guy. I've, I've spent a good amount of time talking to him. I think he absorbs information well, and he's a guy that that is really focused start to start on improving um, whatever transpired in the previous start. I think his stuff's good. I don't think it's. I don't think it's like off the charts. Not like you're going, man. This is this guy's got Jacob Degrom stuff. But you know what? He's got plenty of fastball, and he he's got a he's got a good you know slider you know curveball uh, you know combination. He's throwing. He told me yesterday. I asked him. I said, "What's what's the biggest takeaway you've had over the last you know several starts that you know gives you confidence going into next year?" And he said use of his sinker. He's throwing his sinker more and also not being um, so um, predictable. And he said, you know, in the minor leagues, you can get away with, okay, I can I can throw the ball away to this guy and he's going to chase and I can just keep doing it and I'm going to get him out 10 times in a row. And he used Freddie Freeman as an example, Patrick. He said, you know, Freddie – you know, you throw one place and you go back out there, he's going to make an adjustment and he's going to line the ball into the gap in left center field. He goes, so you constantly have to, you know, move around your thinking, even within an at-bat uh, and and clearly, you know, at-bat to at-bat against the best players in the world. And I think he he's learning that. And as I said, he he's, he's a sharp guy. So I, I like where he is. And I think going forward, hopefully he can – help fill out that rotation and, and shave, you know, more than a run or, you know, need to shave more than a run off that ERA. And as far as Montero, I'm intrigued. I mean, Montero has a lot of power. I think he gets in spots where he tries to pull everything, which can be problematic, but I've seen him make adjustments. Uh, I think of a game where, you know, he had gotten in pull mode and the next day he drove three balls to right field, including, you know, I think a couple of doubles and, and a line out to deep right. Um, I saw a game in San Francisco where he punched out three times and you're thinking, okay, this, you know, it's going to be one of those rough days. And his next time up in the ninth inning when the Rockies rallied last week and, and scored four in the ninth, they ended up losing six to four, but he tripled to, to right center field. Uh, so I think he can be a, you know, a guy that, you know, he's going to need to hit 20 plus home runs. I think it's in there. Now the question is defensively and he's working hard at it. You know, can he be adequate enough where you can play him on the corners and DH him some, and and you better hope the answer is right uh, is yes, because you, you need some young players who can uh, be impactful offensively uh, because we know the shortcomings of this team in, in that regard. So um, I thought Montero, as, as you've said, showed some flashes, and now you build upon it. And the same thing can be said for Ryan Feltner. Love this shout-out from Manny, our guy at Velo Diesel. Appreciate uh, all the support for both our show and, and Goodies podcast. Uh, love that from you, Manny. And uh, 
final question here before we uh, take a little break is, you know, ultimately what, what changes uh, would you like to see the most this off season? Brandon Nimmo has been a name that's kind of been uh, whispered about possibly uh, he's, we know he's from the area in Wyoming. Hopefully he doesn't play too well this postseason uh, and, and maybe drive up that price. But uh, what would you like to see, uh, you know, areas of improvement for next year? Well, you know, to echo some of the things that Billy Schmidt said that I agree with is that you you have to look and 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 you know be honest and and I think he he said that you know their roster is not good enough. You can't just fall back, Patrick, on well we had some injuries. Chris Bryant only played forty two games. Those are facts. But if you if you want to play that game, and it's a little unfair when you compare it to the Dodgers, because we know the Dodgers resources. But again, you're still in the same league as the Dodgers and every team and it's professional sports. Every team's going to have injuries. The Dodgers can be sitting here and say, well, you know, we lost Walker Bueller, who's an ace, a true ace. There's only about 10 or 12 of those in baseball. You know, Kershaw only made 22 starts. We lost Blake Trinan out of the bullpen. Bruce Dar Grotterall. We lost you know, you know, on and on and Bellinger hit below 200 Muncy hit below 200 or somewhere right about there. Yet at the end of the day, because of their depth, they won 110 games or excuse me, they won 111 games. And I think the Rockies realize they have to get a, they have to get better. And it's not just, well, this guy's going to perform better. Yeah. You hope guys perform better, but you have to upgrade your talent level. Now, some of that is going to come over the next couple of years, we hope, with with guys that are well thought of in the minor leagues and the farm system. But you also probably are going to have to, you know, make make some, you know, trades potentially, maybe dabble in free agency to improve that roster. And uh, we'll, we'll see what, what the offseason brings. We'll see, you know, the Rockies have traditionally, as we know, have been very conservative, much to the frustration of the fan base. Um, but but maybe you know they change their mo a little bit. You know they do have you know a number of prospects. And they, do you do you put together some veteran guys that that are movable that have some you know worth to another club and 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 maybe couple that with a a prospect or two to get back you know a a bona fide starting pitcher. Maybe not at the major league level, but a guy that's knocking at the door of the major league level. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Nimmo. You know, Brandon Nimmo is going to be a free agent, uh, good player, ties out here clearly because he's from Cheyenne, rooted for the Rockies growing up, came down the road, I-25 quite a bit. I talked to him about it and, and would sit in the stands and root for the Rockies. You know, he's hit some home runs, I think 16, 17 home runs this year, good on base percentage, um, not a big stolen base guy, but he'd be an upgrade. He'd be an upgrade. Um, and that is an area of, of need for the Rockies. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how the Rockies go about their business um, this offseason, knowing that, you know, it's hard to, to take a club that wins 68 games and make it a 98-win team. Um, that, that's, that's a pretty significant jump. But can you, can you jump, you know, 15, 18 games? That's, we've seen that happen quite a bit. And, and if you can jump you know, closer to 18 games. Now you're in, now you're in the playoff mix, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, I, I like that they understand that it goes beyond well, we had a couple of injuries that they need to upgrade, you know, their, their roster. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Is that that's enough? We, we saw the Orioles jump up twenty some games, probably more than they were expected to do. Cleveland did the exact same thing, and with three wild card uh, clubs in both leagues, you, you have that opportunity to sneak in to the postseason. We'll have uh, plenty of time this off season to uh, to discuss that. Uh, but you don't have very much time right now to make sure you get tickets to the Broncos tailgate party. It's going down tonight over there at Mile High behind. Uh, was uh, right right next to the stadium there. They got a great view. You've probably even seen some of the some of the drone footage going on right there. Uh, it's pretty sweet. You can get those tickets at dnvrlocker.com. You know, if you're a member to the dnvr.com, not only 50 cents for your first month, you know, you're going to get some price breaks on that. Mile High Sliders are there. Uh, Brick Brew, you know, we got that on tap. It's absolutely the place to be. The weather's still nice. It's going to be a gorgeous night. I think it's going to come out with a Broncos victory over the Colts. Uh, they're the better of the two horses. Let's face it. Uh, you can also get a free shirt with your uh, annual membership to dnvrlocker.com. Extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties at the bar down the corner of Colfax in York. And yeah, 15% off your entire tab at the bar. It's, it's pretty crazy. It, it probably pays for itself. Uh, that membership. So make sure you join us and get access to our members only discord where we're going to share all of our great stories about watching the abs and nuggets from the comfort of our own couch now, right? And when we're not out at the bar, we'll be able to watch the nugs and abs on Evaca TV. That's why we want you to check them out. It's only $25 a month plus a receiver fee. Uh, really it's $15 for your first three months because you're going to head over to evaca.tv slash dnvr that's evaca.tv slash dnvr no contracts no catches and you're gonna get altitude sports at&t sportsnet over 60 entertainment channels news movies more uh, it's the ultimate game viewing zone again it's evaca evoca.tv slash dnvr no contracts no catches evaca is tv made for champions of the remote and uh, the champion of beer, Breck Brew, right here in our hometown of, of Denver in our home state of Colorado. They've got Broncos Country Pale Ale. Show off all of that Colorado, colorful Colorado legacy that we've got with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado ingredients. That's the best part here. Keeping that money in state by supporting local businesses like Breckenridge Brewery. This is going to be your go-to for the entire football season where can you get it? Most places. But if you're not sure, check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos Country Pale Ale near you. Well, uh, 2007, we're, we're 15 years uh, removed. And uh, actually today was game three of the division series. 2-1 win over Philadelphia. Ubaldo Jimenez versus a youthful Jamie Moyer at 44 years old. It was uh, it was a game right at Coors Field. First game, first postseason game in Denver in 12 years. I know those games probably lumped together. Do you remember anything about the first game being back and and the vibe that was there to welcome the Rocktober Rockies? What I remember is the crazy atmosphere. I just remember how electric it was. And it's funny you bring this up because I was talking to someone, Patrick, in the last 48 hours in LA, and I got to remember who it was, who was talking about just how crazy it was at Coors Field and, and downtown and, and, and that ballpark. And, and truly, 
how electric it was. And, and we know that when the Rockies have won, and I know it's been, you know, too infrequent from a postseason standpoint, but the fan base, they show up and they are loud and proud. And it is one of the, especially because, you know, Coors Field can hold 48,000 plus. It's, it's Dodger-esque because it's one of the biggest ballparks Coors Field is in baseball. And um, I can't wait to see that again. All Rockies fans can't wait. Uh, you know, the frustration of the last few years aside, that's, that's what I remember and recall from when the Rockies arrived from Philadelphia for game three. And then I, I think what gave it, you know, the added boost, if you will, Patrick, was that, you know, Philadelphia was heavily favored and they went in there and they kicked their ass in Philadelphia. And I remember a lot of moments in the series in Philadelphia and how shocked the Philly fans were, you know, Kaz Matsui's grand slam. I mean, it was like, yeah, this Rockies team's not going to be stopped. You don't understand this. And then they come home and you finish it off and they kind of went like this with, with Philadelphia. Um, just, just the whole atmosphere, man. That that's what I take away more than anything because it's one of the many reasons we love sport. But when you are, you know, in, in a in a place where, you know, we've seen it with the Avalanche this postseason, uh, where where everybody truly is on the edge of their seat and they're all in it together, and the the players I've heard from players they feed off of that and. Um, so again, that would that would probably be my number one takeaway from reflecting back on on all of the the 07 postseason at, at Coors Field in particular. Yeah, I I love that about uh, mention the mention of the Phillies because they won the World Series in 2008. They made sure that didn't happen again. Went back to the World Series in in 2009. Obviously lost to the Yankees there, but. Uh, in that game, I, I know you're not going to remember the details, but I know it's going to kick something loose, and you're going to have a good story. Uh, Kaz Matsui, RBI triple in the fifth. Shane Victorino, solo homer off of uh, Jimenez. That ended his uh, night. Bottom of the eighth, he had a two-out rally. Atkins, Hop, and Jeff Baker all single. And then Manny Corpus gets the final three outs. Ball didn't even leave the infield. Strikeout, ground out to uh, first base, and uh, a nice little 4-3 put out. It's pretty good. It's pretty dominant. Was that uh, – are you talking about against Arizona? Well, or, this was game th- – so game three against uh, the Phillies. Against Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I don't remember. 15 years ago. Uh, I mean, here, here's – here. I, like I – I remember like lead up and how things happened. For instance, I'll take you back, Patrick, and one of the things that stood out – and it's why we can never draw bigger conclusions from something that happens on a singular evening or even a couple of singular evenings. During that 07 season, the Rockies went on, a, I think, a nine-game road trip. Toronto was involved. I think they they go to Kansas City also, whatever it was. And and they kept they – kept, Troy Tulowitzki kept hitting game-tying or game – putting them ahead home runs in the ninth. And the bullpen, unfortunately for Brian Fuentes, kept giving it up in the bottom of the ninth and it turned into like a one and eight or one and nine road trip, something along those lines. And you're like, put a fork in the Rockies. You know, if, if Twitter was as big now as it was then, I mean, they would have gotten vilified, crucified, everything, right? They're a joke. They're bad. Same old Rockies, right? Can't hold a lead. 
And Brian Fuentes was, was so despondent. He lost his, his closers job. And, you know, in the bigger picture, knowing Brian, uh, you know, Tito's as he's known, what a tough guy. And he overcame that. And, and he ended up, you know, having, you know, continuing on having a great career. And he, he put team first and was a good setup man. But Manny Corpus came on and Manny Corpus became a, a, a shut down ninth inning guy. And a lot of people don't remember that. And so then the Rockies end up going to the World Series and that bad road trip, that tragic road trip where everybody would have said they're done. It turns out to be a footnote. Um, it, you, you know how closely, you know, I both, you and I both followed the Mets and they had the bad series in Atlanta and they end up losing the division that they led, you know, for 90% of the summer. And people are like, well, the Mets are done. Well, we'll find out beginning tomorrow. They, they start a wild card series against the Padres. But uh, I, I think the good fans of baseball and those that, you know, are kind of seasoned realize that one game or even a couple of games does not make, you know, a, a team. Yeah, there are times you can say, yep, they were never the same. But there are also a lot of times where you look back and go, yeah, I thought they were done when they got no hit the final week of the season, and then that team becomes world champions or whatever. So, um, again, I don't always remember specifics, but I remember kind of the, you know, more from a macro standpoint than a micro standpoint. Um, so there's your uh, long-winded version of, uh, of <laughs> the Phillies getting closed out by the Rockies. Well, uh, your guest this week on the Drew Goodman podcast is not very long-winded. It's, it's Charlie Blackman. He gets to the point. Uh, you know, you, you talk a little bit about the postseason coming up here, the wild card round. But what I love most in the conversation, without giving away any spoilers, because you got to be listening, you got to make sure you're subscribing to it. I uh, gave a breakdown. Uh, he gave a little scouting report on what he liked from Tolia and Tovar already. Um, he talks about, you know, is he having as much fun as he did back when he was uh, a rookie over a decade ago? you know, how much time he puts in uh, before and after the game and, and how much time can be left over as a leader for teammates and for media kind of touches on that. And uh, of course, probably his favorite off season activity, just going off the grid, huh? And, and, and you get, you get to all of that. You, you cover it all this week's uh, episode of the Drew Goodman podcast. It was a good one. Another good one. Yeah. I mean, Patrick, and you know this, cause you cover the team every day and, and I love Charlie. Charlie's a, a very, he's in, he's a, I don't go, with this term very frequently, but he's a fascinating guy. He, he's really interesting guy. Um, however, you have to pick your spots with him. And he truly is two different cats, man. He's away from the field, Charlie, who can be funny, engaging. And even with his teammates, when he checks in at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, even his teammates know, you, you, there's not going to be a whole lot of chit chat. And he's great after games, handing out the chain, and he can, you know, throw one-liners out there. But you don't just saddle up to Charlie like, you know, some other guys because he's so routine-oriented. And um, anyhow, I thought it would be – it's always great. Charlie's been super. He comes on, you know, at least once a season, if not a couple of times. But I usually do it maybe in spring training, and I do it again like right now toward the end. And unfortunately, Charlie, he was disappointed he couldn't finish the season with the team. But you're going to get – on any subject, you're going to get an authentic response. There's no cliches. There's no this is how I'm supposed to answer that. Um, he listens, he thinks, and he responds. 
which to me is always a sign of a, of a, you know, a deep thinker of a, of a bright guy. And we know Charlie's really bright. So yeah, we touch on a, on a lot of subjects and I thought it was uh, you know, kind of a great way to, uh, I, I don't want to say put a period on the season because we're going to keep talking about, you know, some things going forward. We transition, you know, to football coming up, but uh, you know, we'll have other, you know, baseball folks and Rockies folks on going forward. I'm going to have Buddy on here in the next couple of weeks, let everybody catch their breath. And, um, but um, Char- Charlie, Charlie was great um, as he always is. And I think uh, people will appreciate the conversation. Yeah, you do a great job covering all of Colorado sports. And uh, I'll, I'll be particularly interested in, in listening to the conversation with Bud Black on the Harley Davidson driving back home to, uh, to San Diego, talking with you. Uh, we haven't well, gotten well, the conversation you- yet. Yeah, you know what? I can't do it that way this year, Patrick, because Buddy, you know, we finished yesterday in L.A. Buddy just drove home. He didn't fly back with us. Buddy was not on the team plane going back. He, he, you know, he he told me he was just going to drive down to San Diego, which makes sense. Um, so we'll have to do it a little bit differently. Maybe Buddy will have his feet kicked up by the pool in the backyard and we'll and we'll do it that way. But, um, yeah, we'll have Buddy on here, at, uh, you know, in the, in the not too distant future. Yeah, just make sure he's not jumping on the trampoline. We that that's not going to make. Yeah, sense. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, Goody, this has uh, been a pleasure. I know we're uh, you. You've got a lot of things going on. You're still going to be doing the podcast, uh, but uh, you're doing some traveling uh, and taking some some much needed time off. But we'll have you on uh, again soon. This is uh, always my favorite day of the week is is talking with you. So uh, I know it's going to be uh, maybe a little while until we do it again. But uh, it's it's been nothing but a but a pleasure for me to to talk to you like this. Uh, and, and I appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Well, you, you know how much I appreciate you and all the work you do at, uh, at DNBR and more importantly, you know, you, you and I have become good buddies and, and that means more to me than, than, uh, you know, getting together and chit chatting about baseball, but I love our, our, I love our time together. Look forward to doing it again in the not too distant future. And, um, you, you had the marathon go real quick. Way better than I would have anticipated. I, I was like, look, if I can break 430, that's a dream come true. But realistically, it'll probably be five hours. It was like four hours, 16 minutes. Uh, 33rd out of 100 people, 21st uh, male, and and fourth in my age group. So it was pretty good. That's excellent, man. Good for you. Proud of you. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for for having me uh, regularly. And and again, we'll do it again. uh, We'll do it again in the not too distant future. And, We'll all enjoy a little bit of R and R, but thanks to thanks to your audience as well for uh, for taking me in. But I, I I love coming on with you. You know that. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll do plenty of uh, advertisements for the show still because uh, I'm always the first one on Thursday, and I'm always going to say, "Oh man, so and so said this over here on the Drew Goodman podcast." Let's talk about those comments because you know you you always ask the right questions. You get some good answers out of that. So, uh, well, you're listener sure. number one, man. You know that you're listener number one. I'm not losing that card. That, that's you're, sure. you're ahead of me. I haven't even listened to it yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's the Drew Goodman podcast each and every Thursday morning. It drops. Follow him on Twitter at Drew Goodman. Uh, we are at DNVR underscore Rockies and at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. It's been great as it always is. But you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as your next show. So make sure you tune in tomorrow to listen to Susie.
We know Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of DNVR, and that's really because we love our Pins and Aces gear. We get plenty and plenty of compliments on and off the golf course. And my oh my, that guy, Spencer Smith, uh, one half of the DNVR golf, golf bros, he, he always comes in with the latest stuff. I think they got a Broncos one now that's orange and blue. It's ridiculous. I, I love it. It's fantastic. I, I don't own enough of it. Um, and I should because it's not just gear for golfers. It, it looks good no matter where you're at. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, uh, and they even make that really, really cool beer sleeve that's just an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right alongside or inside rather your golf bag it's it takes up the space of a, a golf club or two you can hide it in there keep your drinks cold the entire round do what you need to do it's a family-owned golf and apparel business based right here in colorado what could be better check out pinsandaces.com and whether you're a member to the dnvr.com or not you can use code DNVR to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's from Pins and Aces at pinsandaces.com. Also need to make sure I remind you that one of the reasons I was able to, to have such a successful marathon, better than I had expected, as you just heard, was Athletic Greens. Man, they they really helped me start my day the right way. Uh, even when I was doing my training and my body would you know, kind of start to break down a little bit from a hard workout, as, as it naturally does. Again, those good vitamins, a whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, minerals, and adaptogens that I got with one scoop of athletic greens. Those those 75 high quality vitamins helped replenish all the different stores that had been depleted, uh, along with some 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 good rest. So uh, I was very happy to to be able to utilize that all throughout my training. Uh, I've used it even when I'm not training, and, and it helps me out, especially before that first cup of coffee, because I get such amazing clarity from it to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC. Why ROC? It's first three letters of Rockies. It's athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, we didn't get a chance to get Goody's predictions for the postseason. He does talk about it a little bit uh, on his end on the Drew Goodman podcast. So uh, I decided, you know what, I'll just go ahead and break that down for you right now. What we've got on our hands is a wild card round. We saw it in 2020 during the pandemic shortened season. This will be a little bit different. The top four teams in baseball do get a buy, or rather the top two teams in each, the AL and the NL. So you're not going to see the Yankees or Astros for a few days. Same is true of the Dodgers and drew a blank there for a second. Atlanta uh, is getting the buy, even though both Atlanta and New York both finished with 101 wins. Identical records, but there is not a game 163 anymore under this current system. All teams will have off on Thursday before starting up their three-game series, best of three. So all I got to do is win two, and they're all going to be in the same location. No traveling, just getting it done. Bang, bang, bang. It's it's going to be incredibly exciting. Let's start with the American League. You've got Tampa Bay traveling to Cleveland, two teams that are constantly underdogs, constantly filled with uh, rosters of players that you might not know very well. Uh, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with 
the success uh, and the ability and skill and knowledge of their managers, Kevin Cash and Terry Francona, who uh, very well could be the American League Manager of the Year. I think he will. They're a team that, in the past, I've always kind of leaned on Cleveland as a, as a team to win the division in the AL Central, despite the fact that they you know kept shipping off some of their best players a couple years ago. It was Corey Kluber, the two-time Cy Young Award winner. Then it was Francisco Lindor last year. Uh, and yet, they're, here they are back in it again. And uh, they're a fun team. Youngest team in baseball. They're very fun. Game one on Friday is going to be a an all-Shane matchup. Shane Bieber against the AL All-Star Game starter, Shane McClanahan. Of course, we'll see Tristan McKenzie and Corey Kluber uh, during the series. Glass now will be starting game two. I think it'll be McKenzie in game two. For Cleveland, they haven't announced that exactly. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens down there in Cleveland. Also want to mention, too, all of these games are on ESPN and ESPN2 with uh, a few exceptions. I think there's maybe two games scheduled for ABC uh, somewhat randomly. So uh, you can find that schedule online. But ultimately, ESPN, ESPN2 all day long. Uh, we'll see what happens. All uh, four matchups will go down on Friday and Saturday. And if game three is needed, they will go later in the day on Sunday before an off day on Monday. And we start up with the typical division series. Uh, go ahead and give me Cleveland on that one. I'll go ahead and take them. I like their starting pitchers just a little bit more. Um, it, it's hard to pick against Tampa just about uh, any time, but I think. Uh, Tampa is is missing a little bit of that that it factor that they've had in years past. So I'll take Cleveland in that one. Seattle and Toronto, maybe the most exciting matchup as far as young teams with exciting young players. You know, Seattle's got so many of them. Julio Rodriguez, so many of the young guys uh, in in the starting staff and and in the in their bullpen and uh, great mix with the veterans and you know, Eugenio Suarez uh, doing the thing and Carlos Santana over at first base. Uh, whereas on Toronto, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Raimel Tapia. So look, if you're looking for that Rockies connection, Toronto could be your team. Could be Seattle. I'm I'm almost gonna gonna back off of this series and say whoever wins is going to be the team that I somewhat quietly root for and and, and hope uh, can get past Houston because the winner of this game will play Houston. They're not going to do any reseeding, so it just it is what it is. So the winner of Tampa Bay Cleveland will end up going on to uh, take on the Yankees. Winner of Seattle Toronto will take on Houston. Game one, we got Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa. Robbie Ray is going to uh, pitch probably game two there for Toronto. Some teams have taken an interesting strategy. We'll talk about it with the Mets here in just a second, but maybe you save your best pitcher for game three or one of your top two options for game three in order to keep that guy fresh for game one of the division series. And again, you'll see how that plays out in the Mets series, but I'm going to go ahead and take the home field advantage, especially if they got the roof closed, the Rogers center definitely will be rocking. If Seattle can get past Toronto here in the first round, then uh, I would uh, I would be very threatened by them against Houston. I think they'd still be the underdog, very much so, in the in the division series. But uh, Seattle, you know, could really catch lightning in a bottle, especially once they get back home to T-Mobile Park. Kevin Gossman, uh, as we know, a, a Denver kid, will get a start here at some point for Toronto. But I'll, I'll take uh, the home team here as well in the American League. 
Let's get to San Diego and the Mets. So uh, originally, AJ Casaville of MLB.com does an amazing job covering the San Diego Padres. He reported the pitching matchup to be a certain way, and uh, it's going to stay that way at least for the Padres, who will have Darvish, Snell, and Joe Musgrove in Game 3 if needed. All of these games will be at City Field over there in Flushing, Queens. But the the Mets starters, uh, they're getting tweaked just a little bit. Buck Showalter opting to actually go with Max Scherzer in Game 1. And instead of DeGrom in Game 2 to close it out quickly, you might not need it because you got Chris Bassett right there in Game 2 to face off against Blake Snell. So if they win the first two, now DeGrom is going to be fresh for game one of the division series. Uh, and that will be Atlanta that they would take on. So that would be a nice matchup if you did have the Mets winning that one. I think they will be able to do that. San Diego by Clevenger just went on the uh, the IL there. So I don't, I don't think he's going to be available for a little while. So you know, San Diego's got some interesting arms. They have to push the right buttons to get it done, but uh, I don't think it will happen. So again, boring old me is going to go with the home team in that series. You got Philly against St. Louis. Uh, no, the winner, the winner of Philly and St. Louis is going to end up playing Atlanta. My apologies. Yes, because St. Louis has the number three seed and Philly is the last team to get in on the wild card. So the number three you got to think is going to win. So they're going to play the number two seed, which would be Atlanta. So it would be Mets versus Dodgers. Should that go, go on coast versus coast. That would be pretty fun. But Philadelphia and St. Louis game one starters have not been uh, uh, announced for the Cardinals. Phillies uh, have decided to go with Zach Wheeler. there, guy who, uh, go back and look at the numbers. He might have been deserving of that Cy Young Award last year in 2021 as he had a lot more innings than Corbin Burns. Nevertheless, he's in the postseason. Burns is not. Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez are locks to go in games two and three. St. Louis, we don't know what they're going to do. Man, they've got a host of guys who could possibly start. You got to think that Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis are going to go at some point. You know, Jack Flaherty is off the IL now. Jordan Montgomery was fantastic down the stretch. Jose Quintana is a factor. So they have the ability to give the hook, a quick hook, if they need to, to any of their starters if they're not getting the job done against Philly and uh, their big bats, uh, particularly Kyle Schwarber, who led the National League in home runs. That will be interesting. And and the one question I, I wish I uh, – would have been able to to ask good we had some technical difficulties on our end uh that uh, didn't allow us to to go deeper in our conversation but does nolan arenado opt out of his deal or does he just agree to a new deal with st louis now i believe this time last year he said he wasn't going to opt out and uh, that still could be true that still could be true, but he's got five years and $144 million remaining, so 28 and a half, I guess, per season. Uh, we just saw Freddie Freeman sign a six-year deal with L.A., and who knows what he probably could have gotten with Atlanta, uh, probably a little bit more than that. So I think there's a, a decent chance that Arenado can you know, really utilize his position, especially with Molina's money coming off the books, not a ton. Wainwright, not a ton. Pujols, not a lot at all. But even still, he can go ahead and, and leverage 
uh, his situation, I think, in a good way. In a good way. I don't think there'll be anything issue, uh, any major issues. I think uh, St. Louis knows how to handle this. But I think he can kind of go in there and say, you know, I, I would uh, I would love to play for this team for seven more years, you know, in my in, well into my late 30s, maybe even until I'm 40. What do you think we can do about that? And he ends up coming back with, you know, more of a seven-year, 190, maybe even $200 million extension there. Very much deserving. You know, Goldschmidt only has a couple years left before uh, his contract is up. I imagine he would love to stay there, continue to play with Arenado. But that'll be a story, you know, more for the offseason. So, you know, Arenado may be true to his word and not actually opt out. He might just be able to find a way to agree to a new deal with St. Louis. Uh, and we'll kind of see what happens with that. I, I go ahead and uh, take St. Louis uh, in that one with the with the home field advantage. It will be very interesting to see how this all ends up playing out and seeing what the ratings looks like or, or engagement on social media. Because as we mentioned uh, just the other day uh, with Susie, that, you know, the numbers are looking really good as, as much as it keeps, you know, getting hammered into our heads that, hey, you know, only old people watch baseball on TV and baseball's this dying sport. Well, it might seem like it's dying if you look at the Nielsen ratings, but television is, is not what television once was 20 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. It's just not the same. And so there's a lot of engagement on social media. And so I think people are going to be really excited. You've got a lot of really great young players. ESPN.com had an article all about, you know, uh, how talented this rookie class was and how so many of them are actually going to be playing in the postseason, you know, from, from, you know, Julio Rodriguez being, being the top guy in that group and all the guys on Atlanta, Michael Harris, the second Spencer Strider. There's uh there's a lot of those dudes who are uh, contributing in a big way early on and uh, GMs and front offices are really starting to think differently about how they promote minor league players and how quickly and how much more quicker, I should say, they are giving those opportunities to young guys uh, because they're making an impact early. I think that's why you saw Zach Veen get promoted to double A and why he's already in the Arizona Fall League, uh, already doing some uh, some really good things at the plate for the Salt uh, River Rafters of the Arizona Fall League. So he's a guy that I really think we're going to see by the end of next year. And, and a lot of that has to do with, again, everything else that goes on around baseball. Steal from the best is the concept. You look around, what's working? Hey, I guess we need to start doing that too. And I think you're going to see the Rockies continue to be really aggressive uh, as the game gets younger, both on the field and both off the field, probably through more social media platforms as opposed to the traditional ways on television. But look, it's the postseason. It's going to be fun. We've got uh, another month. I think uh, Game 7 of the World Series is scheduled for November 6th. You know, should it go that way? So uh, we're still uh, a month out of postseason baseball. So plenty more to, to talk about all next week. We'll kind of break down some of the best and some of the worst uh, of the Colorado Rockies 2022 season. Figure that out. Hand out some fun awards. You know, who's the best pitcher, hitter? Who's the unsung hero? Who's the best reliever? Best uh, new guy on the roster, you know, maybe not a rookie, but just a guy who came over from another club. Uh, we're going to have a, a lot of fun 
as we always do. And you know Susie's going to have a lot of fun tomorrow on the Susie Show. That might be scheduled for about 5 p.m. If you wanted to watch that live on YouTube, on the DNVR Sports channel, you can obviously watch the conversation I just had with Drew Goodman over on the DNVR Sports channel. Leave comments in there as well. We still end up seeing them, and we love responding to them, so uh, don't be shy about that. If you're a member to the DNVR.com, you can leave comments over on the website for me. Uh, you can email me, Patrick, at the DNVR.com, or again, on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons. You're going to hear it twice on this show. You're going to hear it twice. Momentum, it's only as good as your next show. So I'll, I'll talk to you next week.